Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lindley. We have a fantastic mm. guest for you guys later on. We told you we'd bring you some constitutional knowledge on what's going on down there in Texas with the Justice Department suing the state of Texas. I would like to shout out our booker, Allison, for finding an expert <laughs> witness, an yes. expert guest, Caroline Mala Corbin, who's going to join us a little bit later on and tell us just the beginnings, the genesis of this entire thing, what is happening, how fast it'll happen, and what we can do. Yeah. That got us talking about law stuff, me and Rach. We were talking about torts, tort reform. Which Van apparently is an expert. I didn't know this. That was my specialty, premise liability. I'm not an expert, but I know a little bit about I know a little bit about torts because my brother Jabril went to law school and he was very into law. Like when when they uh he went to Stanford and then we Ooh. got on the Gmail thread with all of his uh his 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 lawyer, his lawyer, I call them lawyers. Why? Why were you on the Gmail thread with them? Because it was easy. I liked this because, like, we all the Gmail thread was just about like different shit. Mm-hmm. But I liked trying to stump them, okay. and I liked because there's nothing more. They kick each other in the nuts intellectually for fun. They're so argumentative. They write things in the, they write, we could, doesn't matter what we're talking about. Even if we're talking about like Kobe versus Jordan, their argument always comes out in this irrelatable legalese (laughs) in the way that they, and I would just come in and with like some old school folksy wisdom and just lay waste. But it was just very fun because all we did was argue all day long, but they talked about torts sometimes. Sometimes it would devolve into law stuff. Lawyers are I feel like special. that's a misrepresentation. We don't or, lawyers don't just sit around and argue all day. I would just like to clear that up. Yes, they do. That's no, true. they don't. Yes, they do. The ones no, I know, they, they do. I am I am generalizing all lawyers right now. I like to sit around and talk shit, no matter what it's about. Just sit around and lawyer everything. Oh, by the way, we were talking about this. I don't know if we said this on the podcast or not, but you know, the federal government. You know, I guess we'll talk about this. I mean, not the government, but um, they fought, the Justice Department filed suit against Texas. And we said, ooh, I wonder if it's going to be in my dad's court. It's mm-hmm. definitely not. I yeah. asked him about this. It's going to be down in Austin. And he said if it was, he would recuse himself because we talked too much. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> judge. <laughs> the judge would recuse himself. <laughs> what could I do federally to end up in the judge's court? What could a I lot. do? A lot. Like, tell me, I'm going to break a law well, in one, Texas commit on purpose. A feder- any fe- it doesn't have to be in Texas. Well, I mean, yes, it has to be in Texas, but a federal crime. Like, you could do it in Texas, or it could be you committing it against someone who lives in Texas. Okay. It's so diversity let's, let's do, give me an example of a federal crime that is not like violent, something that I would do. Because, like, <laughs> I, I, I know. You I, want I, me to pick a crime that well, you would do? Well, <laughs> well, think about it. So you what tell I, me. So like, I know that drug crimes get federal, you know, because of the FBI comes after you. Ricos, Ricos are federal. Ricos, or like you got crossing state lines, like that's okay. Thing, you, okay, you have the diversity crosses. So it's like two different states. So if I took or over seventy five thousand dollars. Okay, over seventy five thousand dollars. So let's say I stole. What's something over seventy five thousand dollars? 
I don't, I don't want to steal though. I don't want to hurt anybody. I just want to do a federal crime and end up in the no. Georgia's, why? Why Georgia's... are we? Why do you want to do a federal crime? First of all, he would again recuse himself because I he don't knows want him to recuse himself. He, he, I want him to. I want to go through a whole say, trial. Oh, he no. He and Van have a relationship. He can't fairly decide this case. Like the other side would immediately file that in court. Yeah, and he would be done. But my dad would recuse himself before that even happened. No, Van Lathan. Nope. I want him to be. The, I want to go. I want day by day to get up there and have my lawyers argue their case in front of the judge day by day. This is what we need to happen. When, when things start opening up, you need to actually go to one of my dad's trials. (gasps) You need to sit in, (laughs) you need to sit in the courtroom. You can, no, that's the, you can obviously do that. But when things open up for a jury trial, sit in the courtroom, be a part of it when it's over. You can go back to my dad's chambers, talk it out with him. Oh my god! It, it, can I root for him? Like a like field if he, trip. If he if he bangs like, the gavel, ooh, can ooh. I be like, yeah, judge? That's what I'm talking about. That's a good call. He did a good job. He's like, I want to go. Think the bailiffs may take you out, but can we can we do? Well, we can make this happen for you. Can we do moot court mock trial at your house? <laughs> sure. If we come down, and then the judge could be. It could be me versus you, and then the judge could be the judge. You sure, know? Van. Why not? Oh, why not? This is what we're gonna do. We can Ho- play court. Holiday at the Lindsay's. We'll get everybody together. We'll pick an issue. We'll do moot court, uh, and then the judge could be. But we have to have a jury too. So we might bring. Oh, Brian's family could be the jury. Okay, great. I love this. This is a great idea. I just it's just something that came so up that happened in my head. You're so excited about it. How was your weekend? How was your weekend? Ooh. Oh, okay. Beat we need to take it. a break from each other. Um, my weekend was um, good. I, I just chilled out. You know, Bozeman yeah. was here. Um, Bozeman. So this is a new era of Bozeman. How old is he now? Uh, he is nine months old. Okay. So there's a new era of Bozeman, and this is jump in the bed, Bozeman. Aww. So if I'm laying in the bed. Mm-hmm. Bozeman runs and he jumps in the bed. Okay? okay. And he'll jump in the bed. And at first, what he'll do is he'll walk over and he'll put his face right in my face. So sweet. Like right in my face. And he'll just leave it there. And I'll be, after a while, I start to look at him like, yo, man, what are you doing? He doesn't lick you? He does. Okay. And then he, I, I give him a couple licks and then I say, stop. And then. He goes and he lays down and he looks at me. Sad look. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he literally comes right up to me and lays on me and falls asleep. Aww. Oh, he's a cuddler. He's, he's a, a cuddler. lover. He's a lover. Now, you t- tell me the truth. What? You know it just warms your heart when he does that. It does. Every single time. Except for the fact that he's such a light sleeper that if I move in any way, so cute. he wakes up and then the whole process starts all over again. The Bozeman, so he's, he's figured out how to jump in the bed. And so, so yesterday, Sunday was just in the bed watching football with Bozeman. So cute. Trying that to, sounds like an amazing weekend. Trying to talk low when the Saints whip ass. Whip ass. <laughs> when Jameis Montana Winston. Not Montana. Jameis Montana. <laughs> dealing with. Five TDs. When Jameis Montana Wilson is dealing, I'm trying not to get too into it. 
Uh, so I didn't wait to wake up Bozeman. I'm happy to see him succeed, right? Like coming, leaving Tampa Bay, you know, having as many interceptions as he had touchdowns. I'm happy to see him do his thing there with accuracy and precision. precision. Didn't even throw for that many yards, yeah. but have five touchdowns. Five TDs. Right? I'm, I'm, I love to see it. I'm not even a Saints fan. Um, um, what did I do this weekend? I went hiking. Hiking. Love that. So peaceful. Took Copper on his first hike. Cop, cop. It was longer than I thought. We both barely made it, but we did it. Right. Um, and then I went to the WNBA game yesterday. Very special. It was great. It was HBCU night. A lot of energy. I've been to WNBA games before. HBCU this, night. Yeah, they had a whole... They had, like, they were... It was shout out to your HBCUs. They were representing the dancers, the cheerleaders, the basketball yeah. players were representing their HBCUs. Um, it was great. Sororities and fraternities were there. Yeah. The music was very, like the, the halftime performance felt like you were watching a halftime performance without the band, right? They had the music, they, they, but they were doing the dances. There was just no drum major. It was really fun. They had a DJ. It was great. Um, I had a fantastic I time. I don't like I don't like shit like that. Okay, it. you just gotta find something. As no, why? I don't, what? I don't, why? Because you weren't? Because you missed it? Because I missed it. Because no, nobody was wearing a southern sweatshirt last that's okay. night. Okay, like I went to an HBCU. Like support the, the fucking HBCU night. I don't like that. I don't like. It don't. was a chance for people to represent. I loved it. It was great. People were excited. They were up dancing. It was don't, great to see. Don't all vacation the- with us. Okay. Give us one night at the game. It's a whole lifestyle and a culture. I don't like it. Well, I, I you say that. I can't tell if you rep LSU more or Southern because Southern. you talk about LSU more than you talk about Southern. Most people just on this podcast the, have no idea. Just posted no. the Southern drum major. Just, yeah, I just, but you're always talking about I just LSU. Literally, I saw it. I just literally hooked Southern up with 50 Cent. I saw it. I hooked Southern and 50 Cent up. 50 Cent posted the band. I said, hey, 50, I went there. Who knows what's going to happen between them? I put on for Southern. You can't do anything. You you can't do it. Like, you can't stop. But HBCU night was great. You liked it. It was fantastic. It was the last uh, regular season game for the Sparks. They were fantastic. They whooped the Seattle Storm. It was a really fun game to be at. Uh, Brian and I went. Mm. A lot of people were out there. Um, New Orleans representing. National Spelling Bee winner. She was there. She oh. was COO of the game. She is tough. She was so. She's great. She's so sweet. She was there. Kyrie was there. Kyrie. Um, yep. Victor Oladipo was there. People were out there supporting the Sparks uh, last night. It was fun. I had a lot of fun. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed 
get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Brian plays basketball. Is he one of those guys that thinks he can go get 14, 20 points in the WNBA? I've never heard him say that. You never? I used to, I I'll do, ask. I do guys like that? that in the gym. A it lot was, of guys it, say it that was in one the point, gym. It was one point in life where I felt that way, but that's just because you haven't played enough basketball, you know? And These, they, they would have whooped you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're professional basketball players. Now, don't get me wrong. It's like I, there was a time when I was a really great basketball player, but not one of the best in the world. Solid. <laughs> the what, did, what, did, what, did, what did your cousin say? Solid. He was well, solid. But remember, remember, <laughs> he's judging me on the NBA level. Oh, is that what it, he didn't say that? He just said you were solid. No, he's judging me as he was one of the best high school players in the country. He was a good basketball player. I don't care what you say. Um, oh, but you left out something that uh, that happened this weekend. By the way, you guys at your gym. No, Van, I mean, let's you, move on to our you guys, guests. You guys at your gym uh, who think y'all can compete with the athletes in the WNBA, just fucking give it up. <laughs> just fucking, just stop. You guys fucking don't <laughs> embarrass yourself. It wouldn't be embarrassing. So there's nothing There's nothing embarrassing about losing the professional basketball players, but that's what they are, the best in the world at what they do. So shut your mouth. Oh, uh, yeah, you, you forgot. Look. No. You, you know what? That was the end of my weekend. Let me tell you what happened on Saturday. So I had to watch the LSU Tigers get destroyed on the road. In person. In person. And I, I listened to Rachel Lindsay say that the whole SEC is just Alabama. Even though LSU has won three national championships since, since uh, 2000. Even though Florida has won two national championships. Even though Auburn got in there and won a national championship. Yeah, you, you keep going back. I can start naming Big 12 national championships too. Stop. When was the last time the Big 12 won a national championship? Go ahead. Because LSU won in, 20, in, in 2019. When was the last time the Big Go ahead. When was the last time the Big 12 won a national championship? Go for it. Like, I'll wait. I'll, like, go for it. Like, you're right. Yeah, right. Um, so, and so Rachel was so sure. And then Tejas, the Tejas Longhorns, with brand new coach, Steve Sark, the Jaws, da 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 da, shark, Sarkeesian went out and got blasted. Woo, big suey by Arky. <laughs> Shout out to Arky, who's now ranked number 20 in the country after they big suey bust that ass, baby. I couldn't wait. I can't. Oh, I couldn't wait. I was so excited. I was watching it. And I was like, me and Bozeman were dancing around. Me and Bozeman were in here ring around with Rosie. We really were. <laughs> ashes, ashes, Texas fall down. Bozeman, you know, no. <laughs> what happened? Rach? I don't know how, but somehow this Peace is Greg you. Abbott's fault. I haven't figured it out yet, but for somehow Greg Abbott, that's, that's the only thing I, we, there's, I can't even defend it. You guys, I was trying to come up with comebacks to van and sometimes you just can't defend something. Sometimes it's it hurts. that bad. It, hurts. it was bad, but you know what? It's it, it's just one loss, or in the words loss. in the words of Aaron Rodgers, it's just one game. It's just one game. <laughs> it's just one game, guys. <laughs> and it, you know what? What what did come out of that game, which is great, we got a new quarterback. 
Okay. We, we've been trying to figure out who our quarterback is, just like LSU. Y'all are having quarterback true. issues. Very They've true. been fighting between two guys. Second guy, Christian, I cannot remember his name for, for the life of me. Um, stepped it up. Death. They started to look better in the second half, yeah. but it was too late. It's too much of a comeback. So um, I think things will be better for Texas. Even even Texas has less to answer for than the Packers do. The Saints looked great, but it looked like Aaron Rodgers was playing games on his phone Didn't in the care. huddle. Yeah. Like Aaron, yeah. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers was he got like, the contract. Aaron Rodgers was like, "Hey, fuck it, man." He's he's fuck he's it. still upset about Jeopardy. That's what it is. Thought he was gonna get Jeopardy. Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. Which is a better job? Being the Depends host of what, Jeopardy or being an NFL starting quarterback? Depends when you are in your career. I would say right now, Aaron Rodgers would say Jeopardy. At the beginning of his career, nope. Would you rather be Alex Trebek or Tom Brady? Well, Alex Trebek had a longer run as a host. So like I'm saying, a, a so I'm saying, career, so. Alex Trebek and is less, the greatest of work. all time. And less work. And Tom Brady <laughs> is the greatest of all time. Would you rather be rather Alex, be Alex. Trebek? I'd rather be Alex Trebek. Less work. Um, this is the very serious question of the week. Oh. Okay. We're comparing game show hosts to NFL quarterback. This is in honor of Aaron Rodgers. Game show host or NFL quarterback. Would you rather be Alex Trebek, the greatest game show host of all time to me, or would you rather be Tom Brady, the greatest NFL quarterback of all time. Can I make a case for each really quickly? Please. Alex Trebek, amazing guy who works. They would tape all of these shows together so he wouldn't have to work every day of the entire month. He made a shit ton of money. He was universally beloved as an apolitical, lovable Amazing guy who had a multi-generational run from the 80s all the way to the time of the 2000s, basically up to his very shocking death. He got to do it super long. He was in everybody's household. He had all of his mental faculties, all of that. Lived a nice, long, productive life. Met everyone, was everywhere, was omnipresent. Tom Brady. 20 years in the NFL, beloved as an American sports hero, married to a Brazilian supermodel, uh, money, adulation, fame, jawline, avocado ice cream, all of those things, but they also come with having your body beat up, having all this political stuff that's going on, deflate gate, spy gate, a lot of things go on with being Tom Brady, a lot, a very polarizing guy. Love him or hate him. Everybody loves Alex Trebek. Aaron Rodgers is probably looking at this situation going, would I rather be Alex Trebek? Of course. Would I rather be Tom Brady? And the mm. question for everybody out there is, would you rather be Alex Trebek or Tom Brady? You named no cons for Alex. There are no cons. <laughs> there you go. It's a different type of fame. It depends on what kind of fame do you want, really, is what it comes comes down to. Alex Trebek is good in every hood. Okay. Every hood Alex Trebek is good in. That's true. Tom Brady That's is true. not good in some hoods. I, my answer was Alex. Yeah. But I, I could see people making a case for Brady because it depends what kind of fame do you want. Yeah, I'm a bro. I don't like Tom Brady. All right. So uh, <laughs> look, 
We promised you guys an amazing interview. We're going to give you guys an amazing interview. Caroline Corbin from the University of Miami School of Law is going to break down where we stand right now with the U.S. Justice Department and what's going on in Texas. Check it out. Okay, so we told you guys last week that we would bring on someone who could speak to us directly and with authority and knowledge about the Justice Department's lawsuit uh, trying to stop the abortion law in Texas, okay, uh, which is disgusting. We hate it. Of course, Merrick Garland should be Supreme Court Justice, uh, has filed this <laughs> on behalf of the Justice Department, and we have somebody that can give us some insight to exactly what's going on on the show today. Her name is Caroline Mala Corbin. She is a professor of law and a dean's distinguished scholar. Oh my God! Look at all that stuff. She with JD two thousand one Columbia Law School and a BA from Harvard. 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 <laughs> wow! Wow! Um, has articles published in the New York University Law Review, UCLA Law Review, several law reviews. You're really deep on the law reviews right here. You, you you've you've done them all. And of course, she has joined the Miami Law School faculty in 2008. So we are happy to have you here with us today. Yes. Uh, it seems like if we're going to do our homework. You're somebody that can help us out. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I can help. Okay, so explain to us. Uh, obviously, a lot of our listenership, a lot of people in America, period, were bummed out when they heard about uh, this abhorrent and flagrantly bad law in Texas, and they were hoping that something could be done to stop it. And then last week, we hear that Mary Garland and the Justice Department are suing Texas in order to try to stop the law. For the layperson that's wondering what all of this means, what would the first thing that you say to them be? Well, I think it's first important to understand the background to the whole situation we find ourselves in. Um, so if you don't mind, I'll just tell what led up to the Department of Justice having to step in. Um, Go and, for it. Yes. We definitely don't mind. Okay. Uh -huh. Well, it all started when Texas passed a law banning abortion at six weeks. And Texas was by no means the first state to try this. Lots of other states have tried to ban abortion at six weeks. But usually what happens is they immediately get sued in federal court and the courts pretty immediately strike down the laws unconstitutional even before it goes into effect. Interesting, okay. okay. So the question is, how is it that didn't happen with the Texas law? And this is where Texas got deviously clever because it intentionally designed its law to avoid review by the federal courts. And this is how it did it. Usually when a state passes a law, it intends to enforce its own law. And so the people you sue in trying to stop it are the government officials charged with enforcing the law. But what Texas did is it banned any Texas officials from enforcing the law. And it said instead, private individuals and actually any private individual, anyone, they don't have to have a link with Texas. They don't have to have a link with the woman getting the abortion. They don't even have to live in Texas. Basically, anyone else could enforce the law. And so what this means is um, 
individuals are the ones charged with enforcing the law. But it's not clear who these people are gonna be. And therefore, it becomes really uncertain about who you're supposed to sue. Mm -hmm. So when the clinics went to try and challenge this law and to get a federal court to stop it from going into effect at all, because again, as, I, as I'm sure most people realize, it's completely unconstitutional. I mean, under current law, you can't ban abortions before viability, which happens at 24 weeks, not six weeks. But the problem was it wasn't clear who they were supposed to sue. So the clinics, when they brought their lawsuit, they sued a whole bunch of different parties. They sued Texas judges. They sued Texas clerks at the courts. They sued medical professionals. They sued a few individuals they thought were super keen to start challenging it. Um, and again, they, they weren't sure it was the right people. And the district court thought it was okay um, and was going to proceed. But the Fifth Circuit and the Supreme Court thought, ah, I don't think you've I don't think you've actually successfully overcome these hurdles that the state of Texas tried to put into place. And so that's where we were before the Department of Justice stepped in. The clinics tried to sue to get the federal courts to declare this law blatantly unconstitutional as it is. But the Fifth Circuit and the Supreme Court were like, eh, we don't think you sue the right people. And if you don't sue the right people, we don't actually have authority to decide this case. And that mm. was the problem. So that was sort of the, 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 the dilemma, um, which is when the Department of Justice stepped in. So and, so and so now the Department of Justice is trying to bring the lawsuit. So I think the next question after that would be, so now that the Department of Justice is bringing this lawsuit, you have stated that it is unconstitutional as it stands, but there's this whole thing of, you know, who is it that we actually sue? So now that there is this federal suit, how likely is it that it will be successful in being able to stop this law? Yeah, so again, um, in bringing the complaint, the um, so again, the challenge is, is it the right party bringing the suit and are they suing the right people? This suit is a lot simpler. It's the United States of America suing the state of Texas. And so you may wonder, well, what grounds does the United States have to sue Texas? And their complaint, there are at least a couple of reasons why they say they really should be, the, should be suing Texas. And the first is this basic idea the federal government has a very strong interest in making sure states follow federal law, including constitutional law. There's something in the United States Constitution called the Supremacy Clause. And it basically says that if there is a federal law and that includes the Constitution and it's duly enacted, then if there's a conflict with the state law, federal law wins. So federal law is supposed to be supreme law of the land. And this is, and so the federal government has an interest in ensuring that its laws are actually enforced. And this is especially true when you have a state trying to avoid federal courts reviewing their laws for constitutionality. Basically, the United States is trying to vindicate the constitutional rights of the people in Texas. 
So that's its first basis, which is a little general. It also has a more specific basis, which is basically it's trying to protect its federal officials in Texas. Because there are all kinds of federal obligations that would conflict with the Texas law. So for example, there are federal prisons in Texas. And the Department of Prisons have a federal obligation under federal law, they're required to help women get an abortion who are imprisoned. But of course, if they help women get an abortion, ah. that violates the law, and the federal officials become vulnerable to suit under this. So they have this very general claim. Mm -hmm. We want to vindicate the constitutional rights of American citizens, because under the Supremacy Clause, federal law, constitutional law is supreme. And a more specific claim that, listen, this is going to put our people, get our people in trouble. And we have an interest in protecting our people. Caroline, you're one of the most entertaining <laughs> law people that we've had on the show. <laughs> this is the energy that I'm talking about. This is great stuff. I got to tell you, I wish you would have been my con law teacher. I of feel like I just learned. Don't right. don't you don't you make a face, man. I I wish you. I'm a lawyer. Teacher. My name is Rachel. I'm just no, um, <laughs> no. It, this is this is fantastic. I have such a better understanding of what's going right? on. Um, my my question is, so the federal the federal uh the federal government has brought suit about this. What is the timetable on this for people that are fretting about how quickly or how long it's going to take? Uh, for there to be some resolution here or to know whether or not this suit will be successful. Like what, what, what kind of time frame are we looking here? So, um, so there's three levels, like, cause ultimate resolution sounds like you're wondering when will the Supreme court decide this? Yes. And there are three in the federal court system. Cause there are state courts and federal courts and the federal court. There are three levels of courts. There's the district court, which is the first court. Then there's the Court of Appeals, which for Texas is the Fifth Circuit. And then you get up to the Supreme Court. And honestly, it can take some years to go from filing a case to having a Supreme Court resolve it on the merits. However, sometimes there are emergency appeals. Because as we saw with the first case, they haven't resolved it on the merits. And when I say on the merits, I mean, they haven't resolved the actual constitutional question of whether this violates the law. Instead, they were dealing with the sort of procedural hurdles. Do we have the proper people bringing the suit? Do we have the proper people being sued? For those procedural questions, those went up pretty quickly on emergency appeals. Um, and so while it may take a while to make a resolution on the merits, um, I, I should have said, they, a court can, in the meantime, issue something called a stay or an injunction. And basically, this is the legal version of saying, hey, wait a second, hold on there. We think this law is not actually constitutional, and so maybe you shouldn't enforce it for now, right? And so this question of a stay can be decided more immediately. And challenges to these kinds of things can go up more quickly. 
And so while the whole life of a case from trial court to the Supreme Court can take quite a while, there could be a stay issued along the way that might happen more immediately. But I, I'm not entirely certain. And to be honest, this, this issue, the issues are so novel. This is such uncharted territory. I, I'm not entirely clear. I, I'm not sure anyone's certain quite how it's going to play out. Um, we're continuing to see states get really creative in they're how great. they're, I right? Mean, you gotta give them props for ingenuity. Also evilness, but definitely ingenuity. <laughs> <as> well. <laughs> well, and, and they are, they're becoming, they're finding these ways to get around things, to try to ban abortion. We're seeing this a lot in the Southern states. And I think that there is becoming this increasing fear, not I think, I know, there's becoming this increasing fear that there is going to be a challenge to Roe v. Wade. And what happens when the Supreme Court, because we know they didn't address the constitutionality of this, they didn't, you know, they, they, they pushed it back, they punted it back to the states. What happens when the Supreme Court does finally hear a case like this? Are, is there a threat to Roe v. Wade? How likely is it that well, something like this could happen? I, I hate to ruin your evening, but the Supreme Court is actually going to hear a challenge to Roe v. Wade in the fall Oof. because it already has another case that it has accepted on its um, docket. And that's a case out of Mississippi that banned abortion at 15 weeks. And so um, we will soon find out whether they are in fact going to go all the way and simply declare that Roe v. Wade was an error and women do not actually have autonomy over their own bodies and the states can ban abortion. Um, or they may not overrule Roe v. Wade entirely, but nonetheless weaken protections to such a degree that they might as well have. Mm. So now <clears throat> we will have more clarity when they hear this case out of Mississippi. So this is my last question. A lot of people out there right now, um, you know, their elections that have led up to this, and obviously the elections have consequences, the old and adage this goes. Is one of them. This is one of them. Um, but there are a lot of people out there right now who are feeling helpless. Uh, a lot of women are feeling helpless, and a lot of um, allies to those women are feeling helpless in terms of just watching this all spiral out of control from the cheap seats. As the average American citizen, concerned citizen, is there anything that you can do in any way to uh, help our sisters or maintain the integrity of Roe versus Wade or in any way be involved? Or is this just all stuff for the lawyers to figure out at this point? Um, so, again... I don't think there's, I mean, the case is going to be, you know, what happens with the case will happen with the case. But what started this all was a law, and it was a law passed by representatives. And if you don't like those representatives, then you should become politically active and ensure that there are new representatives. I mean, that's our democratic process. They should be accountable to us. Now, obviously, that's becoming more difficult because of the increasing voter suppression and disenfranchisement. But to the extent possible, right, exercise the powers you do have as a citizen, not just in voting for different representatives, but why not become a representative? Mm. 
I mean, there's no reason why everyone can't get involved politically, even at the local level. I mean, run for school board, run for your local council, start, right? I mean, you you know, look at the jokers who are in power now. If they can do it, you can certainly do it. So that's one thing I would say, just in general. And second, more immediately, is help the women and clinics in Texas, right? They could definitely benefit from your money and your time. I mean, clinics are always short on funds, but they're gonna be especially hard pressed in Texas because of this law. I mean, after all, the point of the law was really to harass clinics out of existence, mm. right? The goal of it was to invite so many lawsuits that they would spend all their time and resources defending against them. So one way people can help is help your local clinic, help your local Planned Parenthood, or help your local independent clinic. Or if you wanna help more directly, help the women of Texas by donating to one of the many abortion funds that exist that help women um, get abortions, quite frankly. Even when it's constitutionally protected, it still can be very difficult because of certain regulations that ultimately require women to make two trips to the doctors. And now they don't have to make just two trips. They have to make two trips out of state, hundreds of miles away. And mm -hmm. that costs money. I mean, they, you know, and so to the extent that you can donate anything to these funds that really directly help the women exercise their constitutional rights, that would be wonderful. Mm. Wow. That is such a good point about donating to um, abortion clinics and abortion funds is what, is what you said. I just want to say thank you so much for coming thank on. I, I mean, you broke it down yeah. so clearly. And, and, and I feel like as as citizens, we are learning so much about the Constitution, maybe in a way that we hadn't before. We're paying attention to it, I should say, in a way that we that we hadn't before with all the issues that are coming up. So thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you my, so my, much. That was amazing. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us on Higher Learning. Uh, look, we're going to tap back in with you whenever yeah. we have <laughs> legal stuff like this. Okay? That was fantastic. Thank you so much. And I, I hopefully uh, we can affect some change. And keep america from just falling off the edge of the earth god damn it we're so close we're teetering <laughs> on the edge guys and it feels doesn't it feel amazing we're right there on the edge <laughs> she's just gonna laugh thank you so much caroline corbin uh for joining us today thank you so yes. much this episode is brought to you by hyundai you could be doing anything this week right you've got work errands friends and a whole lot of fun in between that's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. That was fantastic. Right. I mean, she's amazing. You know, I almost went to the University of Miami Law School. Yeah, one of my exes did. Why didn't you go? Uh... <laughs> honestly, because I knew I wouldn't be able to focus. Let me tell you something. <laughs> An ex-girlfriend of mine, uh, she went to the University of Miami Law School. It's like 2005, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, things got kind of fucked up here with the hurricane. So when it was time to get away, I, would, I was still too scared to fly. So I caught the Greyhound bus 
to Miami from Baton Rouge. How long did that take you? A full day? 19 hours. Woof. Let me tell you guys something. Shout out to the people who are on a bus somewhere right now. I'm not dissing you. I'm not. I promise you I'm not dissing you. I'm not dissing you at all. But right now, if you know somebody in your life that doesn't have any ambition, that doesn't want to work or go out and accomplish more in their life, put them on a bus and make them travel on the bus from Miami to Baton Rouge, you, you'll be like, fuck this. I got to get up and get out and get something. I got to change. Get up, get out and get something. Because <laughs> I remember that was the, like, the train is a little elevated. That's different, you know, you're saying, but the bus, bus was. Bus is different. Buses, the bus 19 was. 19 hours? 19 hours. I've we only see- done it from Dallas to Houston on the Greyhound. I've never done anything past that. Oh, no. That's we've a long time. We, we've gone full across country on the bus. On the Greyhound? Yeah. Me and my mom and my sister from Baton Rouge to Los Angeles, California on the um on the bus. Full across country on the bus. Stops Tough. along the way, or was it a one way? Stops no 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 no. Every stop along the way. I know. Like, well, I, well you can you can pay le- less or more. You can pay more for less stops. Or you could pay less and stop everywhere. Whatever I did and whatever we did, we got all the stops. We stopped at every prison. Picked up guys. They got the clear bags. They get on here. You know what I mean? And my dad would always say, rest in peace, dad. My dad would say, don't worry about them. They ain't going to do shit. They just got out. <laughs> he'd be like, he'd be like, yeah, my mom's worried about that. He's like, them niggas not going to do nothing. They just got out. Like, give them, if, they, if it was a week, if it was a week after, then maybe they get the itch. But they just got out. They, try, they still convincing themselves they ain't going back. He'd be like, oh, them niggas going back, though. But I got down there, and I was thugging around Miami. Shout out to Miami. I was everywhere. I was at the that chicken. was your first time. Oh, and she would be in law school all day long. And she had this green Malibu. And I would ride around Miami listening to the Carter 2. I'd be down at Nikki Carter Beach. Two. I'd be at the Clevelander. Opalaka. I would go out. I would explore. Shout out to all my Zoes. I, like, I, would, be, I would be around Miami thugging. I, sp- I stayed down there like two or three weeks. Went to like a... Uh, the Chicken Kitchen, one of my favorite spots in Miami to get a chop-chop bowl. I don't know exactly what you're talking about. Love, so y'all man. broke up after this, right? Yes. I would have broke up with you real quick. Yes. Running around Miami spending my gas. Well, you better be home waiting for me after I come home after a long day. I don't want to listen I, to the law stuff, though, was the problem. I Who wants to talk about it? That's that was. I never wanted to talk about law school when it was over with. I detached myself completely. That's why I didn't. That right there, what you're just talking about, is why I didn't go to Miami for law school. I know me. I would have been out having a really good time rather than focusing on the books. That's an expensive law school. Yeah. Do you remember on the Cosby Show when they went Justine, Justine, and they were singing the Justine song? Do you remember that? Theo. Steel was singing uh-huh, the song uh-huh, about Justine. Uh-huh. 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 Uh, America's singing a song that's the same way. Vaccine, vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. The vaccine is just dividing us. <laughs> Joe Biden's song is vaccine, vaccine. Uh he is um he's mandating the vaccine for federal workers. Okay. There's a couple of different vaccine things that are going on. Uh, we're going to touch on them right now. Biden, though, start with President Biden, has said 
that he has new orders. His new orders, a vaccine on mandate, a vaccine mandate on private businesses with more than 100 workers would affect 100 million workers and help turn the tide of COVID-19 in the U.S. Of course, this was met with uh, a great of deal of, of, of pushback and controversy and people were livid. Uh, most vocal was Southern South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster. McMaster. He's the master and he's the governor of South Mick, Carolina. McMaster. Governor Master. We're going up there to see Governor Master, uh, <laughs> who in a tweet painted the tussle over compulsory, compulsory vaccine as a battle for personal freedoms. He said, rest assured, we will fight them to the gates of hell, Jesus Christ, to protect the liberty and livelihood of every South Carolinian. But Friday, Biden pushed back. Uh, he said that he's not going to be deterred by the largely partisan reaction to what he wants to be his vaccine mandate and his vaccine mandate for federal workers. He said, have at it. Love it. He's ready to go a hundred rounds on this. What do you think, Rach? I think it's necessary. I mean, everybody is tired of having these restrictions. Everybody is tired of us feeling like we're not moving. We're not moving forward. This was supposed to be a summer where we were so hopeful that things were changing and things seem to be getting worse with the Delta variant. And it seems like every day there's a new alert on your phone about a new variant that's entered your city. So Biden is trying to take action and put measures in place that can get us back to where we need to for society. People are tired of living in the way that we are. So, but they're mad at Biden for taking measures to try to get the, us back to some sense of normalcy. I'm for it. I am 100% for him implementing these things to get the unvaccinated folks, folks vaccinated. I can't, I don't remember what the percentage is, but he did say that if these workers, 100 million workers get vaccinated, it increases um, the herd immunity or, or to a, to a, like rises the level up tremendously. He has, he's got a plan for schools. we got these kids in schools. They're not getting vaccinated. He's trying to enforce all school employees to be vaccinated as well. I mean, he's doing what he needs to do to get us back to normal and people are still upset about it. It's like people just need a reason to complain and they're complaining. And I, and I do love the, the information that is going around where people are putting up posts saying, you know, measles and tetanus and polio and mumps and chickenpox are all things, different things that we've had to be vaccinated for. And, but now, and no one really had an issue with it. I mean, yes, they're anti-vaxxers, but like nationwide, there wasn't this outrage about your freedom and stripping you from these things. But now all of a sudden there is. And so I, I, I just, I'm, I'm commending the Biden administration. And I love that he is just like, you know what? I've had enough. Have at it. You want to challenge me? Go for it. Well, there are a couple of differences. Number one, this is a novel vaccine to a novel disease, to a novel virus. So we're not sure about when vaccination was first introduced, how people felt about it, because not everybody had a device in their hand where they could make every opinion known to everybody. Every but can we time. just but I, I agree with that. Yes, it's novel. Yes, we've had doctors come on and talk about the technology being in place for a lot longer than, you know, to, to replicate, to like increase the ability to make a vaccine a lot quicker than, than before in the past. We've had doctors come on this very podcast and talk about it or a doctor come on and talk about it. Um, 
yes, there wasn't, we didn't have technology in our hands to say for people to like voice their opinions, but people also weren't saying, no, I'm not going to get it. They took it. And I think what I, my point by saying that is there was also nobody telling them not to take it. So be, because information exists and it's such a big place now, you have a lot of people who are basing their entire identities online by trying to compel people not to take the vaccine. And, you know, people are scared. It used to be that they had more trusted sources of information and authority. And someone said, hey, the end of polio. And everybody went, yay. Yeah. Now somebody goes, hey, it might work. But at the same time, you uh, might end up with a third nipple on your head. So you never know. I did watch something interesting that a guy named Scott Gottlieb. Do you follow Scott Gottlieb? He does a lot on the vaccine. He does a lot on coronavirus and COVID since the beginning. Scott Gottlieb. No. So he said it and I was thinking Doug Gottlieb in my head and I was like, Jesus Christ. I know. I was like, I was like, wait, why? Why him? Speaking of of felonies, Doug Gottlieb. Remember what what happened to him in college? Doug Gottlieb, who's always dunking on athletes, will never forget the way you stole your roommate's credit card (laughs) when you were at Notre Dame and got popped. Always oh, trying to dunk on athletes. Yeah, yeah, nigga, you took it to okay, Dillard's. Didn't mean, didn't mean to do. I just that's why you I was took like, it to Dillard's. Doug, Doug, Doug Dillard's is that where he went? <laughs> Hide your Amex. Doug Gottlieb's on the prowl. He's looking to make a charge. That's what he thought. He thought that's what he thought. Coach was talking about when he said take a charge. <laughs> Doug Gottlieb was like, I, Doug Gottlieb was like, I'll take a charge. All right, I'll take my roommate's charge. All right, anyway. Um, so, uh, Scott Gottlieb is a doctor and he did a very interesting, he's a CNBC contributor. You see him on MSNBC all the time. He's been doing a lot of work with the, uh, pandemic since the beginning. And he said something interesting. He is obviously very pro vaccine. Um, he's been talking about the vaccines and best practices on COVID for a long time. He wonders if the mandates are worth the political acrimony that they will engender. And I'll tell you why. What he says is he doesn't think that the United States is going to get to 90% immunity, right? So right now we're at, I think he said, either 75% of the population has had at least the first shot, okay? Um, maybe he said both shots, but I can't remember. He said if if we we're going to get to 80, he said we're not going to get to 90%. We're not going to get to 90%, even with these mandates. We're not going to get to 90%, which would, uh, according to him, be some kind of huge turning point. He goes, okay. He says, we're probably not going to even get to 85% with this. He says, because a lot of these things that we're talking about would take a long time to get rolled out. And he goes, also, some of the people that you're talking about vaccinating in this point, if they have hesitancy, especially in the southern states, they might have already been affected. So you have to wonder how effective the mandates will be. Right. And he goes, so if this is going to get us in the interim to like 80 percent vaccination. Right. Mm -hmm. He says, you have to wonder if the political acrimony that's going to be that's going to be had because of this. And this is. This is uh, what I'll do is I'll go over to our thought words and I'll drop the interview into uh, the Reddit so you guys can watch it for yourselves. His words, not mine. You have to wonder 
about whether or not that political acrimony would be worth it, not just in for people in the science community, but in American society mm-hmm. for an extra 5% of vaccinations. And he's like, he's not so sure, even though he recommends more than anything, everyone go out and get vaccinated. He's not so sure that doing it this way with the amount of time it would take to roll all of this out, it's going to take a long, a, a long time. And with the amount of fighting that's going to be on this issue, that it's the best thing for the psyche of the country in fighting COVID-19 to actually mandate the vaccines. Is there anything that jumps out at you when you, when you hear that? I mean, 5% is still better than, yeah. than the, the, the percent, you know, if we're 75 and we're trying to get to 80, that's better than before. I mean, no, nothing really jumps out at me. I, I, I think it's a valid thing to bring up, to mention. But if the goal is to get vaccinated, if the goal is to return back or try to return back to society the way or some normalcy in society the way we were before, then every percentage helps, in my opinion. That's just how I see it. And I think that's how the Biden administration is looking at it. And I, I, I think it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because if he doesn't do anything, then people are going to get mad at him. If he does do something or in this way, like take these strict measures, then people are going to have something to say. So I'd rather have people have something to say. And I'm increasing the number of people that are vaccinated or, you know, saving lives. I'd rather that. And I huh. think that's how they're looking at it. I think what I'm actually for is whatever the best practice is. And I think we've gotten away from that like as Americans, I think we've gotten away from whatever the best practice is going to be. And I think that there's some glitch in our thought process that doesn't allow us to compute the information as it comes in. Meaning we've created a culture where people want to do what they're told to such a degree that they don't want to be told to do the next thing. It's, it's interesting. So everybody is so tribal in America. So if you come out and you say, don't wear a mask, everybody jumps into their different side of it. Don't wear a mask. Okay, I never have to wear a mask. That's not what we said. We said right now we don't have anything that can tell you that you have to wear a mask. Next next week, you might have to wear the mask. But you told me I didn't have to wear it, and I believed it. They said don't wear a mask. Now they don't wear it. They don't know what you're talking about. So I think that our brains are losing in some way their elasticity. Like we're not very nimble intellectually, and so it's making us hard lines and people are on either side of it so what i'm for is whatever the best practice is going to be i'm not for overly politicizing it to the point to where uh you know we've made two different i'm for like yo if the best thing is to mandate a vaccine then mandate the vaccine if the best thing is if mandating the vaccine only puts us through more and doesn't really give us that much of a benefit i think we can we have to not be too afraid to say that too but I'm, that's always Scott's opinion, I, by the way. I have to do yeah, more on it. I, I, think th- you, I think that's a good point. I personally think it is the best way to go. I think we seem to be at a bit of a standstill. And if we're talking about making some change and this is a way to do it, then to me, I think that that's the best practice. But again, that's my opinion. Right. My opinion. Speaking of doing the, the their own research, Nicki Minaj. She said that she will not be attending the Met Gala in 2021 because she isn't vaccinated. She said this. She tweeted this. She said, they want you to get vaccinated for the Met. If I get vaccinated, it won't be for the Met. It'll be once I feel 
I've done enough research. I'm working on that now. In the meantime, my love, be safe. Wear the mask with the two strings that grips your head and face, not that loose one. Okay, she went on after this on her Twitter right now. She continues to do this. is brand new, fresh news, fresh out the fresh buns, fresh buns. Um, she went on to talk about and retweet uh, all types of people who, quite frankly, are tweeting her horror stories of the vaccine. The one guy said that he, somebody he knew or somebody they knew was about to take the vaccine and they were about to get married and then their testicles swole up and now they can't have kids. Uh, she said that she knew somebody who took the vaccine and now they're sterile. Uh, she's retweeting a lot of these and saying that she's in the process of doing her own research. She's retweeting both sides of it or she's just re- the she's horror re- stories? She's retweeting the horror stories and she's saying, for what I've seen, I haven't, I have to go back and look at it now, but she's retweeting the horror stories and what she's saying is, hey, that's so sad. Do your own research, blah, blah, blah. And she's also saying that she knows people that have been negatively influenced by the vaccine as well. Now, I don't want to cram stats down people's mouths, uh, but there have been adverse reactions to the vaccine, but they are just incredibly, incredibly low occurring incredibly low occurring. We're talking about millions and millions, hundreds of millions of vaccine doses that have been given out and thousands in the single thousands of, uh, of adverse reactions to the vaccine. You know, um, right. a lot, most of the science that comes out, not most of the science, all of the science that comes out says that the vaccine is pretty safe. So, uh, but sure, they have been adverse reactions to the vaccine. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't ever recall Dr. Fauci saying that no one has ever had an adverse reaction. Like it's not a hundred percent, like with free of side effects or anything. No, nobody's saying that. Um, so of course you're going to hear sadly a horror story that's related to something. Um, just like you're going to hear positive effects from the 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 vaccine as well, the vaccines as well. Here's my thing with Nikki. One, I was just trying to look at her. I was trying to look at her Twitter page because I was trying to see if she's retweeting both sides, which is what I would hope that she is. Because then it, I think you should be able to have an open dialogue of, you know, however you feel about it. It shouldn't just be monitored as I'm only hearing positive things about the vaccine. I think it should be both. So that's why I was questioning as to is she only sharing the horror stories or is she sharing the other things? I see that she's taking a poll on which vaccines to take to her audience. I would hope that that's not the end of her research. I would hope that she's doing the research herself. But the thing that stood out to me the most when you were quoting her tweet is what's taking so long on the research? That's what I I wonder. I'm I'm just asking how long does it take to do the research? Yeah. Yeah. Like, why are you still researching? I, I mean, are you... I would like for her to say, I'm sorry, I'm j- I just now started. You know, these vaccines have been available this entire year. Um, now they're FDA approved. I'm wondering why you're just now starting to research. Maybe it's because certain events are requiring you to now get vaccinated. So maybe it's a real a reality for you where it wasn't necessarily before. So now you're doing your research because it's looking like you're going to have to get a vaccine to attend some of the things that you normally would be able to attend. So maybe that's why. But that was the first thing. It's like, why are you just now doing the research? Yeah, well, what she's doing now, she's very subtly backing off of it. 
by posting which vaccines you should take, by going back and forth. She's very subtly uh, backing off of it. So this, this is my thing. Look, Nicki Minaj is entitled to her opinion. I wish I knew what the research was that people are doing. Um, I started, I'm a little paranoid, anxiety. I started researching vaccines in <laughs> April of 2020. So, uh, by God, she's a very busy person. I don't know. Look, it's her business. I think that to me, doing the research is a very powerful thing. And if you're going to step out and talk about the fact that you're doing the research, maybe you should educate people on the actual stats and statistics of adverse reactions to the vaccine and how safe the vaccines actually are and not be prone to retweet horror stories about them. If you don't want to take it, then don't take it. If you want to use your public platform to tell people that you're going to wait and you're not going to take it, that's fine. To be honest with you, we sort of did that here. We, we, we when it, it's a scary thing to do. Yeah, it's a scary thing to do yeah. in a world that's filled with so much distrust to, to um, to trust your body, if for anything, especially with a couple of the, with what we've been going through for the last year and a half, it's a scary thing to do. But what I will say is, it's not our jobs to make it scarier. It's not our jobs to make it scary. It's our jobs to portray things as they actually are. And I personally think. That um, you know, uh, Nicki Minaj didn't do this, and really, to be honest with you, if you're not going to the Met Gala because you don't want to get vaccinated, then that's fine. But she took a stance just by saying that I don't want to have to get vaccinated to go to the Met Gala, so she had a problem with that. Well, and now so, she doesn't have time. Well, she doesn't have time for what? To Tonight. Get, oh yeah. Well, yeah. So she had a problem with that. And so what I'm saying is, come out, stand on this sand with your chest. You have an issue with the vaccine. You don't want to take it. That's fine. But then. The problem I had was the retweeting of the horror stories from it, which are going to influence other people's not to go out and And get vaccinated. And I don't think that those fears are in any way substantiated in any real way. Exactly. And if you're going and if you're like you said, the big thing, too, is you're just now doing the research. Great. Share the research, because right now it seems like your research isn't going any farther than your Twitter page. And, and people commenting and, and the retweets. And that's what I have an issue with as well. So if she is doing the research, kudos to her. Good for her. We all should be doing before we do anything in life. But it doesn't seem like that right now. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. Well, look, she'll she'll figure it out. You know, she'll do the research. All of you guys that are doing the research, I just want to know, hit me up. What is the research? Because I've, I've, I've done like some doing research. doing the work. That's why I'm doing, doing, the the, work. Doing, doing the research. I'm doing my own research. Do your own research. But Come on, ma. Just fucking speed it up. Like we need an answer. <laughs> Shit or get off the pot. <laughs> Stick or get off the pot. Okay, we have to talk about a story right now that is happening out of Georgia. Uh and guys, trigger warning, it is not a great one. Twelve year old kid was killed in a car crash. Uh black kid was killed in a car crash after state troopers used a pit maneuver to stop the car that he was in. This young boy's name was Leighton Boykins. He was a passenger in a car driven by his neighbor. Charlie Moore was the neighbor's name. Charlie Moore was being chased by the Georgia State Patrol. This was the morning of September 10th. They chased him for a little while. Then they executed a pit maneuver on the car. The car flipped over and Leighton Boykins, 12, was dead. Okay, Apparently, according to the Georgia State Patrol, uh, Moore... Charlie Moore was pulled over for speeding. They said that he would not produce his driver's license and instead drove away. 
They followed him for a little while and being concerned that he would not stop. They said they followed him for like three and a half miles. Um, They then did the pit maneuver, flipped the car, killed the kid. Uh, Moore and his son both survived. He is now in custody facing charges and uh, Leighton Boykins is dead. Now, Moore has a different story. The Boykins family says that Moore's wife told them that when the troopers first stopped Moore, Moore, who is black, he had a son called 911. Okay. Moore's wife then told people that Moore told the troopers he considered himself a sovereign citizen and would not roll down the windows while his 14-year-old son was calling 911. This, according to the family, made the state troopers attempt to break the windows. When they started trying to break through the windows, um, according to Moore's wife, he asked them to send more people, like a supervisor over, but he was so scared of what was happening that he drove away, and this entire time, the 911 operator was still on the line. So there's questions now. Now, Moore, Charlie Moore, has been charged with murder in the death of Leighton Boykins. Uh, When I posted this, I wondered what a lot of people wondered, which is what was the purpose of executing the pit maneuver in and of itself when you know that there are two children in the car. And it's caused quite a bit of conversation on my social media Mm -hmm. because there are people that look at the situation and go, the real... uh, villain here um, is not the Georgia State Police. That it's Charlie Moore for fleeing police when he knew that he had two kids in the car. And I cannot in any way act like I don't see the point that those people have. I see it differently. I wonder how you see it. Hmm. I didn't see what people were saying on your social media. Uh But I think there's fault to be spread around. Um, what I think is extremely unfortunate is that there are you, like I said, you can blame, I think multiple people when it comes to this, but at the end of the day, a young child unnecessarily lost his life. And this is a situation that could have been avoided. And I find that the most frustrating thing of all of this, forget who you want to put the blame on. This is a situation that easily could have been avoided. And it's, it's ridiculous that the, at the end of the day, this child lost his life. And I, 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 if I'm, if I'm putting the blame on someone first, I'm blaming the police officers because they're the experts They're the people who have been allegedly trained to handle intense situations. People who are resisting arrest, they are trained to handle this. The moment that you saw, because according to Moore's wife, there were, the police came to the car. So some trooper saw that there were children in the car. Despite what Moore did, and I do think that he was wrong for engaging, even if he was fearful in a high speed chase, I think first the blame is on the police officers because you did not need to do a pit maneuver knowing those children were in the car, showing that you had no regard for anybody's life in that car. That's what stands out to me the most. You didn't have to do this. 
I know that there are other ways that you are trained. And if you didn't, where's public safety? Somebody else who, who knows how to handle these type of situations. I think that I do think Moore has some fault. It's definitely not murder. I do think that he has some fault in knowing there were children in the car and speeding away because let's if there hadn't been a pit maneuver, speeding away with children in the car puts them in, in danger and something else could have happened. You could have flipped the car, but that isn't what happened. It's the police officers that did it, which is why I blame them the most. I think it's despicable that Moore is charged with murder. And I think that the police officers were reckless in how they handled it, handled it and they were in some sense crim criminally negligent as well. So I think there's blame to go around, but I think the police officers are who you have to look at this first because they're the professionals and the experts, and I'm using air quotes with this, in this situation. Mm. They're, well, they're supposed to, um, oh gosh, why can't I think of the de -escalate. word? De-escalate. Thank you. De-escalate yeah. the situation, right. and instead they made it worse. Well said. Uh, so normally when a child dies in the care of adults, the adults are to blame. So the fact that there are adults here to blame is not shocking. You know, obviously, Charlie Moore made the wrong decision and he made a failed decision. And he's going to have to live with that wherever he is for the rest of his life. That a child died because for whatever reason, he ran from the cops. So. Having said that, I think about a case that we covered earlier where there was a pregnant woman in her car in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. She was driving. She mm -hmm. was trying to find a safe area, area for her to pull over. And the cop in that instance pitted her with his car. If you guys don't know what the pit maneuver is, the pit maneuver is when they drive up behind you, hit the back bumper of your car, spin your car out to make you stop. Sometimes when you execute a pit maneuver, uh, people hit you know, stops or the median or whatever it is in the middle of the traffic. Uh, sometimes they flip cars. In this case, they did flip the woman's car. She was pregnant. And, you know, it, she could have easily been killed, her and her baby. Fortunately, everyone survived. In this case, people did not survive. A 12-year-old boy was killed. Um, I'm wondering for everybody that is so anxious to absolve the cops of the blame for this, I'm just wondering why. Like, the standard that we hold law enforcement to in our community is so unbelievably low that I can't fathom how we continue to look at ourselves as citizens. Like, it, I, I, the people that are saying, hey, you can't blame the police in this situation. It's Charlie Moore's fault. I'm not just upset with you. I'm incredibly disappointed. The police are there to ensure the safety of society at large. We've made all these little treaties as society members, and the police are there to make sure that we abide by those things. Very simply, very simply, right? The cop has to be there with the willingness and the want to protect human life first. Catching the bad guy is second. So let's look at a couple of things that go on with this situation. Forget about the situation in Arkansas where the woman was by herself and the cop hit her. Let's say that the cop in this situation believes that the man in that car has kidnapped those two kids. 
Exactly. Let's say that he believes that. And mm-hmm. he believes that the man in that car has kidnapped those two kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that they, the man in the car is driving away from the police. And he has two kids in the car that are kidnapped. Let's say that that's what they thought. Mm-hmm. How does pitting the car make the kids safer? Exactly. Exactly. How, like, how does pitting the car make the kids safer? How does that you're gonna you're gonna initiate a car wreck basically to stop the guy? So you're gonna put them in a potentially fatal situation to stop him. Okay, fine. Forget about For that. For speeding. For speeding. But let's say they don't think it's speeding. They think that it's a kidnapping situation. Let's say they think that the guy's in there is a big time drug dealer. Okay. Okay. And they want to catch him. He's got whatever keys that he's making birds fly down south or whatever. All right. Are the lives of the kids in the car even worth making that bust? What would be the reason, any reason, why a police officer would put two children Mm -hmm. in a dangerously, deathly, life-threatening situation? What would be the justification for that? I, and we're oh, we're sorry. and when we're asking both questions here about the pregnant lady and about this, it seems to me that the cops want to pit people. They've learned it; they never get a chance to do it, and so they go, "Hey, pit maneuver." Now, if you guys want to have a conversation about Charlie Moore, and if you guys want to say, "Well, we got to blame each other when we fuck up, and we got to do all of this," if we've if we have such the question it, it blows my fucking mind black lives matter and the entire narrative of it do we believe that do we believe our matter our lives matter enough for us to say hey that shouldn't have happened yeah so, I, I just, were, I, were I, most my, people in your comments blaming uh charlie moore it it doesn't I, see. I don't think that there's some of them were. It wasn't as it, I, I don't know the I can't do the precisions in my head. But I'm saying that like for even the people that were, it it, it there's something about us sometimes to where we want to believe that everything's that that is happening to us is our fault, and I get that. Mm. We want to believe that it's all our fault. We want to believe that as soon as we start acting better, then we'll start doing better because that makes it seem like we have some agency in this. And of course, we do have some agency in this. But the reality of the fact is 100% of the reason black America is in the state that it's in right now is because of systemic and historical white supremacy, terror, and intentional intentional harm economically, environmentally environmentally and physically. That's 100% of the reason. So you don't need to argue for the cops. The guy shouldn't have run, but the cops shouldn't have killed that boy. Correct. Correct. I, I, I feel like, I, you know, I don't know what people were saying in your comments, but I feel like, listen, you can say that Charlie Moore was wrong and still say, but the cops were <laughs> mishandled this situation completely and it ended up killing a child. You have to see it that way. You have to hold the police to a completely different standard than you do a terrified civilian. 
That's how you have to look at it. I mean, he's wrong. And I, and I wholeheartedly believe he was wrong. Calling yourself a sovereign citizen. I don't know if people understand what that means. Do you, you know what that means? I see it all the time. I watch it on YouTube. Yeah, like they don't believe that they're a citizen of the state or even this country. And, that you know, like some people will say, I'm a, I, come, I came from the heavens. Like they don't believe that they're entitled to be ruled by these laws of the state or even of the nation because they are not citizens of the state. Okay? Sovereign citizen. That's very br- a general sense. But him saying that, him driving away, yes, it's wrong, but you can't ignore what was done here. And I don't understand. I don't understand how people can't see that. In right. all of this. That's what I think is the most shocking. You have to put aside your anger for how Charlie Moore reacted in that situation and looked at what was the ultimate cause of that child's death. It was the pit maneuver. Because if, if this situation would be totally different if Charlie Moore sped off and then he flipped the car on his own. He ran into something. He did, but he didn't. It was the cops flipping his car over that killed it. Forget what reason they did it. They, they could have handled the situation totally, totally different. So, so Charlie murder Moore- Murder is insane. I did not know he was charged for murder. That just, was news to me. Just happened. Charlie Moore is responsible for putting the kids in an unsafe situation without a doubt. Absolutely. It's the police's job to inject safety back into the situation. And I don't understand how we've lost- I don't understand how we don't get that. It's the police's job to come into the situation, supposedly. it's Policing is a poor public safety apparatus. I understand that. But it's supposedly their job to come in and inject a situation with safety. That's what they're supposed to do. I would Serve love- and protect. Like, did the police in that situation protect Leighton Boykins? No. And I would love to know from a police officer, when you execute a pit maneuver what is the high probability that the people in that vehicle are going to be injured or killed? Like, what, what is the probability? Or I'm saying it's a high probability, but what is the probability that person is going to be injured or killed? And if that is a high number, then why would you do that to two children in that car when the person that you were trying, yes, there was somebody you were trying to apprehend, there's also two children. And the only answer that I can come up with is that you did not care about their lives. You did not care how they ended that situation. You just wanted it to stop or how that situation ended. You just wanted it to stop. And that's what I can't get over is that you had no regard for their lives inside of that vehicle. So there's a 911 tape that has literally just come to my, um, that literally has just come to me. They literally just gave it to me. And I am going to, we're not going to play the 911 tape, but I'm going to read you some excerpts as is reported uh, right now by the website I'm reading off of. So, um, Moore's son spoke to the 911 dispatcher initially. He says, I asked for a supervisor and the police are being violent. This police, once again, in this situation. So, once again, let's look at this situation. There's a man who's being stopped by the police. He is not cooperating with the police. The police, allegedly, according to this this account, begin breaking windows, right? That right there, when they're breaking the windows, they are escalating the situation. They're escalating the situation. 
rather than de-escalating the situation. And in our current climate, Charlie Moore is wrong, but in our current climate, if I'm there with the cops and for whatever reason the cops are breaking my windows, I'm going to be fucking freaked out too. Okay? Now, if the cops ask me for my license, I'm going to give them my license. For sure. Right. But if the cops, for whatever reason, get to breaking my windows, with the current climate that we're living in right now, which all plays into this, I'm going to be scared too. So he says, I asked the supervisor, the police are being violent, they broke my window. The dispatcher says, in order to speak to a supervisor, you're going to have to pull over. This is when he's already, he's already he has driven away. I'll notate that you want to speak to the supervisor. Charlie Moore says, I need you to help me, ma'am. I didn't do anything wrong. I've got three officers chasing me. I asked for a supervisor. They would not give me one. I asked, what did I do wrong? They would not tell me. They don't have their cameras on. They don't have anything on. It's three white guys, and they are chasing me around my neighborhood. Um, That's the first part of it. That paints a clear picture of someone who reasonably or unreasonably is in a fear-based situation. Mm -hmm. Perhaps this man is unrational or irrational from the beginning of it. Perhaps this whole sovereign citizen thing is a belief that he holds close to himself. What I would like to do is live in a world where there's some sort of public safety apparatus that in that situation thinks about the kids. And if I'm going to pay tax dollars, my tax dollars cannot fund the guys who are going to make the wrong decisions. That's their human beings. But my tax dollars do and can fund a public safety apparatus that thinks about the fact that there are two kids in the car. Mm-hmm. And I know that you guys are upset. I know that we always got to rush to blame ourselves and 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 if we stand up straight, then a white man will stop kicking us in our back. I, I know that. I know that that's the way. You, I know that that's a survival mechanism. You want to believe it's your fault. The police shouldn't have done what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just disappointed. Um, I don't know where the story is going to go. Like I said, Moore has been charged with murder. That seems like the cops try to cover their asses. Uh, Maybe there'll be more information that maybe there'll be more information that changes my perspective on this, my perception, my perception on this. Um, But I'm just sorry to the family. Sorry to everybody involved. And just I'm gutted. Yeah, it's 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 terrible. That's disgusting. um, I will on the Reddit page, our thought wars, I will drop the link to the YouTube uh, video that has the 911 call in it. If you guys want to hear it, uh, I don't want to play it because I haven't heard it yet and I don't want to potentially trigger anyone, but it's nuts. We'll take a break. All right. Um, there's something that I saw that was very interesting to me. What? So Florida State lost to Jacksonville State. Did you see that? Yes. I know Jacksonville State as the school that former LSU quarterback Ryan Perlou. If you guys ever want to look into the one of the strangest careers in NCAA football history, look into the career of a guy named Ryan Perlou. All right. Ryan Perlou came to LSU, was supposed to be the next big thing. And for some reason, 
just shit just kind of got fucked up. And he ended up going to a school called Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State is like, that's why I know what Jacksonville State is. Well, they beat Florida State. Here's the thing, guys. Jacksonville State ain't supposed to beat Florida State. It's a small <laughs> school. They beat Florida State on a last-second heave that had the whole fucking internet going nuts. Going nuts. And a picture that I saw was of a redshirt junior offensive lineman named Brady Scott who after Jacksonville State ripped the heart out of Florida State. Brady Scott plays for Florida State, the Seminoles. He got down on one knee and asked his girlfriend, Michaela Pierce, to marry him. He says, you are my world. Forever with you will make me the happiest man in the world. Michaela Scott has a nice ring to it. That's what he put on Instagram. And I'm not going to lie, man. What? The old man and me just fucking went nuts after the most embarrassing <laughs> loss of the college football season thus far. While the other team's players, if you look at the picture, are still celebrating on the field. Yeah. You get down on one knee and you ask your girl. So you couldn't have waited no. for a win. You, you like this. No, I didn't like it. But he couldn't wait. He said somebody's got to have a good day. One of us has oh, to make a good day I out of this. I just changed my mind. It's did, the he whole, actually, did he actually no, say that? No, oh, shit. I'm just saying I that's thought, what I his thought he actions said that. If he'd have said that, <laughs> no. I'd have changed my mind because that's some no, gangster shit to actions. say after you just and lost. And another thing I'm noticing as I'm looking at this picture, I'm, I'm zooming in. I noticed that his jersey is a little clean. The dirtiest it looks like he got is on that knee that he's bending on. I'm not quite sure old Scott was in the game. So I feel like he's not even affected by what's happened. He's a red shirt. What is he, offensive lineman? He's a red shirt I don't think junior, he, offensive lineman. I don't think he played. I think he's like, you know what? This is a win for me. Forget y'all. One of us has to have a good day out of this. I didn't even play in the game. I'm assuming this, y'all. I don't know. His jersey looks clean. So let's do this. But if I were her, I would have said no. Let's do this. I'm going to propose a scenario to you, okay? Okay. Let's say that Brady Scott had already decided that he was going to do this after this game. He thought that they would win because they playing Jacksonville State. Her parents have come in. He's made a big deal. He's got it all planned out. If you take that loss, do you change your plans? Yes. And not... <laughs> I mean, this is a simple answer for me. First of all, I don't like these type of proposals. I don't like proposals at sporting events like this. I just... They're played out. It's not even special to me. And now you add all this drama to it. No, you tell them to go back. This was just a nice trip for you guys to come out and watch me play. Sorry for the loss. We're going to try again. We're going to try again at the next home game. I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I've changed. I've changed my opinion on no, Brady Scott. No, you're just being difficult. Do you know this how, is terrible. Do you know, do you know how Brady Scott responded to this? By posting his wedding registry. Brady Scott is the GOAT. Did he really? Brady Scott posted his wedding registry and said, also, if you search my fiance's name or my name on Amazon, a registry should pop up as well. <laughs> Did he really? Yes. Okay. Brady like Scott that. said he doesn't care. Isn't this though, because like it bothers the shit out of me, but isn't this how we would want these guys to be? Shouldn't there be things that are more important than football? 
you know, in that particular, I, I got my, no, I still, I still hate it. Football is important. That's why you proposed to her on the football field in your uniform. Well, like tough. he wanted the moment, but if you're, I'm sorry, if I'm her and these are the kind of decisions that you make in life, I don't want a future with you. That's how I'm looking at what? it. This is a bad plan. It wasn't planned out. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the way he, he mismanaged his whole situation. I'm judging how he's making life decisions after this. I'm not quite sure if I want a future with you. That's how I'm looking at it. I wish we could see her face. She I said feel like, yes. No, she, she probably yes. melanied him like on the game. She said yes because it was in public, but behind closed doors, she gave the ring back. Yeah, he um he's had it tough. He's played for three different head coaches. He's a redshirt senior, actually, it looks like. Uh, I'll be honest with you. And it looks like he is a player for them. Big guy, six foot six, two ninety. He's got good NFL size. He needs to put on some weight though. Um, but look, I don't like it, but it's a different generation, man. It's a different generation. These so kids, you're saying he did it for the likes, comments, and no, views? I'm just saying nothing like winning or losing the game is going to stop a Brady <gasps> Scott. There he is. Who, Bozeman? Yeah, Bozeman just came in. Nothing's going to stop. Bozeman loves love. So whenever he hears about love, he's going to come in. Big lover. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Should I be worried about the fact that Bozeman is so anxious? Like, I was walking Bozeman this morning, and there were these guys that were, like, jackhammering something. And he was, like, super scared of the jackhammering. And then, like, we went around the corner, and he saw these guys welding something, and he saw he got super scared of that. Like, mm-hmm. I've never been around a dog that this that's this scary, and it makes me super protective. Uh, and- I'll let you babysit Copper. He would jump at all those noises. Now, granted, he's rescue. I don't know his story before, but like those kind of noises, he's going to put his tail down and try to run home. He doesn't like that kind of stuff. My, my, the dog I grew up with, gigantic German shepherd named Apache, he would fucking kill. Make a noise around Apache. He turn around, hair goes up on the back of his, I guess it's the same reaction. It's fight or flight and Apache was ready to flight, but not Bozeman. I fear that. I mean, if some, I think I'd rather take a Bozeman. If 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 someone comes in here and tries to rob us, Bozeman's going to help them. Okay, well that's not cop. Bozeman, no, <laughs> Bozeman. Bo, if if somebody comes in this house in the middle of the night, Bozeman not going to bark. Really? He, hell no. Bozeman's going to jump up. Hey, well, stop telling people that. He's going to try to play. <laughs> oh no, they got more problems if they come in my shit in the middle of the night. I got the Benelli <laughs> M4. <laughs> yeah, I got the Benelli M4, so they got more problems. You don't have to worry about Bozeman. I'm gonna hear you, and I'm not even gonna say shit. That's my thing. If you come in my shit in the middle of the night, I'm not gonna say shit. I'm gonna rack my shotgun, and if you hear the shotgun rack and you continue to walk back to there, say what's up to my dad. Like <laughs> I was just, I was, I was just being for real. Like, I, like you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, that's 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 the real shit. I get it. I get it. You're protecting your house and yourself. All right. Uh, there was a fight at the MTV. We haven't told you know you know how far culture has fallen. Is that the VMAs were last night and we didn't even feel the need to talk about them. Did you watch the VMAs at all? You know what? I it was on when I came back from the game, so uh-huh. I caught like half of it. Right. So you know, I, I wanted to watch the performance of um of Chloe Bailey. I wanted I saw to watch it. it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't end up watching it. I saw it. I'll tell you why I didn't end up watching it. Well, first of all, why are you laughing? No, go ahead. T- I'll tell you. Um, she's too young. I feel it feels inappropriate. How old is she? 
She's over 21, right? She's 22 or 23. This just doesn't feel right. Why? Because she's so. She's is, she's as as her sister introduced her and said she's found her voice. Yeah, it just doesn't feel right for me. Like as a as a 41 year old man, it's like obviously the little girl is fine, right? Beautiful. But but it 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 just doesn't feel right. Did you see the music video? Yes. You watched the music video? I watched the music video. Fantastic. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So when Hallie said Chloe's found her voice, and then I watched the performance, the voice sounded familiar. The performance looked familiar to me. Oh, interesting. What are you? It was very Beyonce-esque. It was very Beyonce. Go back and watch it. She's phenomenal. I love the music video, but there was there were elements of it like the way that she would like sing rap and even her ad libs. It looked totally like a Beyonce performance to me. And I know she signed to their label. So I was just kind of like, huh, it was phenomenal, but it was very Beyonce. Go back and watch it. I wonder I if other people it. thought warriors. I wonder if y'all had the same thought. It wasn't the video to me is, was way more sexual than um, her performance. Um, except at the end when she licked the microphone, that was sexual. But it was very. She I, licked the microphone. Mm-hmm. 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 Interesting. But to me, the, okay, take the look off your face. What? what <laughs> take the look off your face. I'm not gonna watch it. The now. video to me was more provocative, but I but I loved the concept. I loved the entire concept of the video. But the but the perform go y'all watch it. It was very Beyonce. Very Beyonce. So, are you saying that she is El Wack? I said the performance was phenomenal. It just was familiar. Are you calling her a biter? No, but I think that she's got she's under Beyonce's label. She ob- obviously Beyonce's a mentor to her. So just to me, like she didn't get into formation or anything like that. It wasn't <laughs> like she stole her moves or her outfits, but just. It reminded me of a of young Beyonce. What do you think uh, reminded you so much about Beyonce? It's the it's the way she sounded. Way if she I sounded. would have if I would have closed my eyes, I would have been like, "Oh, Beyonce's performing at the VMAs tonight." Honestly, really, that's that's how it felt. But it's not. To, she was phenomenal. I repeat that. It just I was it it compared to the video. It just shocked me how much it was. You're going to want her, you want her to find, you're going to want her to maybe find a little bit more of her own, her own voice, her own thing in her live performances is what you're saying. Yeah. Cause the video was, was that I love the Medusa element of the whole thing. You know, you know what that reminds me of when, uh, when Justin Timberlake first came out, remember that? Remember that joint, that joint that he came out with, with him in the clips. Ain't nobody love me. No. No. Is that it? just wanna love you, oh, baby. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. Bozeman came in the room when he heard me hit that <laughs> So when it first when 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 Justin first came out, Justin didn't really know who he was. And as much shit as I give Justin Timberlake, I fucking love Justin Timberlake. <laughs> like <laughs> love. <laughs> I love that shit. Like I like all that shit. That shit is hot. That, that Timberlake shit is hot. It was scalding. You know it's what great. I mean? That's great. Like, you ever heard a song called Strawberry Bubblegum? Yes. Oh. Yes. Hot. It was good. Hot music. I was a Justin fan back then, too. Love I mean, Justin not that I'm not like, now. I just don't Love really stoned. Music. You know? All that. 
I love, so I love Justin Timberlake. But when he first came out well, on that I Just Want to Love You stuff, and he had Pusha T and the clips on there. People think that Pusha T came out two years ago. Pusha T been rapping since fucking I was in college. But when he had the clips on there, shout out to uh, to Malice, too. We always forget Malice when we talk about the clips. The clips are fantastic. He had the little hat on. still in the church? Yeah, he's still in the church. Okay. Uh, he did drop music, though, but I don't know what okay. the music is like. So, he, he, you know, Justin had the hat, and he was wearing a glove. And it he was sure a, was. It was a little Michael Jackson thing. And they say that about the weekend too. That that was a little Michael Jackson. He had the hat and he was wearing the glove, and then it was almost as if he was doing his little Michael Jackson thing. And I remember thinking to myself, "Well, that's not gonna work." Like I get it. Like you, you know, you're not gonna that that's that's not gonna be a thing. That's not gonna work. And I, you know, Justin eventually found his completely own look, his completely own sound. Change mm-hmm. pop music in a lot of ways with Timbaland. Maybe Chloe will do the same, you know. But right yeah, now she's following she the blueprint. She's, you know, she's with maybe Beyonce. She it's, a, it's an homage. It's an homage. Okay. Okay. The, it was the, still a great performance. By the way, I'm setting the standard. Too young. Chloe Bailey is too young for lust. For what? For, for lust. What? For lust. She's uh, too young to get the so lust. So what's from the me. proper age for lust? I think my lust age to my me to go. Oh yeah, she's hot. I think I gotta. I'm 41. I gotta set my lust age at 28. Does now does the age go higher as you go higher in age? Probably. Okay. You know, I, I think I can set my lust age at 28, 27. In terms of this type, you know, I, I got all off the OnlyFans, so you know some of those girls might have been younger. But as far as like this type of situation, to where oh, this is a hot celebrity type of thing, mm-hmm. I think you got to stop. I think I think you can't be you can't be forty one. That's a that's a kid, man. That's a little okay. Mine is legal. Mine is you just have to be legal. So just eighteen. If you're hot, you're hot. So eighteen. He's legal. So. So wait. I repeat. So let me ask you a question then. Let me ask you a question about this. Is that okay for guys? What I if, never said you the one who put these standards on yourself. But I'm just asking a question because so is it okay? It is for me. It's not illegal. So if if I was I can't can't think of anybody who's 18, but I was like if I was like, checking you're on, talking lusting. Like I'm talking like oh like hot celebrity crush type of shit. Like ooh. That's, that's what your type. Do. You like them young. That's, that's what, what I would pe- say. If you told me you like the I'd be like, oh, you like them young. That's one step away from You like them young. That's Oh, you like them barely legal. See, that's what I would tell you. That's one step away. That's one step away from well, it depends on what you mean by teenage. That's one <laughs> It <laughs> is. Barely that's legal. One step away. I I personally think I'm 41. And I'll ask this. I'll ask this I'll this is another I'll ask this to the thought words. Chloe Bailey is too young for a guy like me to be on some ooh she's a fine celebrity crush type shit cause first of all should not be too old for that you're just admiring her from a distance I don't know I'm not doing it Van likes some barely legal no I'm not Make because I didn't watch headline. it I'm not, I didn't watch it yet you watched the video though I did watch the video the only reason why I watched the video is because the video oh, caused oh. the oh. video caused such a stir on of the L social oh. media yes. uh, last thing I'll say about the the um the VMAs is that we got some white on white violence. He did. Conor McGregor had a fight with Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> he tried. He didn't land, but he definitely tried. So what was this about? Did you hear anything in the inner yeah. circles? What happened? 
not inner circles, but it's being reported that apparently Conor McGregor, they were on the carpet at the same time. Machine Gun Kelly, Megan Fox, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor asked either Machine Gun Kelly or his people for a picture. He wanted a picture with Machine Gun Kelly. He said no. He got upset. And, <laughs> and it led why. to... Yes, it is. It led to a brawl, but apparently, <laughs> a, a brawl, but a, a, allegedly, Conor McGregor has been sliding in Megan Fox's DMs, and <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly knew about that, and so he was like, "No, you you've been talking, you've been trying to holler at my girl. I'm not trying to take a picture with you." And that was the fight. Now, when he presented, Conor McGregor presented, he had a cane. Has he been walking with the cane? He got his fucking shit snapped. Oh, that's right. Shoot, I forgot. I forgot yeah. about that. Like, I was he, like, was that like, a result of the fight? You're totally right. I forgot that he broke his ankle, yeah, leg. Yeah, he he it was very he got his shit snapped when he fought Dustin Poirier. He uh just Dustin Poirier checked the kick and I guess there was a crack and then Connor stepped back on it and his shit fucking snapped. It was fucking terrible. <laughs> that's funny. That's yeah, that funny. was that I, was the fight. That was the talk of the VMAs. See, and this shows you how far the VMAs have have fallen. That would have been something back in the day that would have been huge. Remember when Courtney Love was throwing the fucking makeup at Madonna when Madonna was doing her interview back in the day? The VMAs used to be just such a big deal. Maybe they will be a big deal at some point, but videos have changed and so have the Did VMAs. you see Madonna at the VMAs? No, what did she do? Um, did you do something sexy? Madonna's sexy. All right. Check that out. What is this? Harper's Bazaar, Madonna's, let me see this. I haven't seen whatever this is. Harper's Bazaar, Madonna's butt at the VMAs. Twitter is going wild over Madonna's butt. I mean, I see it. What's the big deal? Her butt? Yeah, what's the thing? It looked enhanced. I mean, she got she got some <laughs> butt implants. So she's walking. So I it. think when she came out, you couldn't see anything. Then she turns around and everybody was like, whoa. And that's how the show opened. One, it was a surprise to see her there. Nobody knew it. But then she had the butt. So it was like the talk. That's why Twitter went crazy. Look, man, I'm from Baton Rouge. It's going to take more ass than that to shock me. <laughs> Y'all get shocked over an inch of ass. Good for Madonna. She feels great. She feels good. I feel great. But it's going to take more ass than that to shock me. I'm not getting out of my t- good. Well, good. the butt and the fight were the talk of uh, the VMAs. Um, last thing we'll touch on before we go here is did you see Russell Westbrook uh in his in his the the, the I guess skirt or dress that he had on? Did you see the picture? It was a yes. It's a skirt. Like a skirt. Yeah, it's a skirt. Loved God, it. I, I, it. I I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I thought he looked great. But it did look kind of cool. Yeah, what, it did. What I, I want to have somebody on here to discuss. Allison, book book me somebody else to discuss traditional African garb because I'm going to tell guys this and I'm going to give you a taste of this. Go deeper into it. A lot of the ideas of masculinity that are in our head come from the Western European standard of living that we have been introduced to. Guys from our culture going all the way back have dressed in garb like Russell Westbrook, not too far from Russell Westbrook, wraps around their lower bodies for a long, long time. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just don't. I, I, nothing about it is shocking to me. I thought it looked kind of cool, but I have like I look at the picture and I have zero emotion. I just wonder what the fuck is the big deal? Well, and to give background on it, there were people who were bothered by the way that Russell Westbrook was dressed and Kwame Brown had this this video that was just off and he went off for almost two minutes about what Russell Westbrook was wearing and how men should be dressed. And it was just filled with hyper masculinity. And, you know, I watched it and I was like, okay, Kwame, like your time is up at this point. Like, I don't really want to hear you talk about this. I didn't and see all, it. Oh, you didn't see it? Like no. all Russell Westbrook has to do is suit up and collect these NBA checks. And those are two things that Kwame Brown can no longer do. I oh, was, damn. I was, it was honestly, it was disgusting <laughs> to watch because you know, he was like, I'm not homophobic. I have gay friends. I have gay family members. But it's like you weren't funny. It was cruel. It was offensive to so many different people, what he was saying. And it was it it it, it plays into what you were saying about hypermasculinity, where it's like, if you're a man, you must wear this. Remember a long time ago when pink used to be so taboo? And then people are like, it's so stupid to assign Cameron. a color to a certain gender. Cameron Thank you, Cameron. It. Yeah. yeah, it's stupid to sign color to a certain gender. Women must do this and they must wear this. That's what he was playing into. It was it was disgusting. It was disgusting. Like, don't, don't even watch the video because it was gross. Masculinity has nothing to do with whether or not you're wearing a, a dress or not. Exactly. And we have to stop assigning certain things to genders. Yeah, just like, you know, whatever. Russell Westbrook's doing his thing. By the way, a lot of the NBA guys was getting off this week. At New York Fashion Week, I saw more. To really, me, it, I didn't it, see anybody but Russell. To me, it looked like Jordan Clarkson might have been wearing a skirt too. You look did like. It, did I? Ma- am I making this up? Maybe it was just the women. But didn't in the Olympics one year they wear skirts, or did I mess make that up? Maybe I, I made that up. I, I made that up. <laughs> you're making shit up. All right, look. You know when they go. all come out together in uniform? I could have sworn the man had on skirts, but I might be making that up. Uh, I'm gonna give my unexpected ally of the week early because I'm gonna forget. What is it? Stop, stop breaking the rules. That you know what? Let's stop. Let's no. Okay. Go ahead, because I have one. No, no. Mine's really a good Samaritan of the week, but go ahead. Mine is a good Samaritan of the week too. Oh, the people okay. who caught the cat at the Miami game. Oh yeah, that was the, honestly I couldn't watch that video. Like that's terrifying to me. I look. I felt for that cat. My me and that cat connected, man. Shout out to that fucking cat. <laughs> you know, shout out to that cat. That fucking cat. That's that cat I, lived. Oh, that made that like oh I'm just so glad that cat's okay. I can't watch stuff like that. Uh yeah. mine is to the good Samaritan who found my wallet at the grocery store. Oh, I left Jesus my wallet. Christ. I left my wallet in the little space in the grocery cart. I went all the way home, realized I didn't have my wallet. I came back and the guy who was pushing the carts was like I was like looking all around. He said, "Are you looking for this wallet?" And I was like, "Yes." And I just wanted to say thank you. And I took all the cash out of my wallet and I gave it to him because that would have been hell for me to have to figure out what to do with losing my cards and my ID and all of that. New and news, my vaccination card. New news just broke and I want to talk about it. What? Just broke right now. What? Fox just bought TMZ. Who owned F- TMZ before? Warner Brothers. Telepictures. Interesting. Fox bought TMZ. We're going to play a game. Don't look it up, Rachel. Okay. How much do you think TMZ is worth? 
How much do you think Fox bought TMZ for? Well, wait. Let me wait. Help me understand something. I thought you said Warner Brothers owned it. So they Warner bought Brothers it from Warner Brothers. It. So this Warner so Brothers like, does Harvey get it. broke off for this? Uh no, Harvey he already sold, sold at this point. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. How, how much is TMZ worth? How, how much do you think the sale was for? Uh like three to five billion. Just t- talk to me. So these three you say so give me give me a number. I said three to five billion. Fifty million dollars. Oh. I thought it was more. You mean to tell me after all of that shit for all of them years, TMZ ain't worth the mid-level exception? Wow, I really thought it was going to be in the billions. They sold TMZ for a Patrick Beverly. God damn. I re- I'm, I'm they did flipped you think TMZ it, how much did you for think it was Jordan Clark. Uh, more than that. More than that, they flipped TMZ for Jordan Clarkson. For not, not even more than Jordan Clarkson, maybe way more than they got a they got a, a Caruso for TMZ. That's nuts. I, I'm truly shocked, and I want you to know the headline says less than fifty. Man, well, sheds AT and T's Warner Media sheds the asset. Not not Fox gains. Hey. They shed. Hey. TMZ is now uh, TMZ is now with Fox. That's great. Uh, success to everyone. Oh. I'm glad. I just thought that it would have been yeah more than fifty burger. I I said three billion. Three billion dollars, nigga. You was way off. <laughs> I spent, by the way, by the way, by the way, fifty million dollars is a hell of a lot of money. That's a hell of a lot right, of money. Right, but and, I think it's shocking and, that we thought it was so much more. Yeah, I just right. you know it just it, it seems low, but. I guess Oof. congratulations to everybody involved. Van is having some fun. I get it. Alex Caruso makes $36 million. So it's not even, it's more, you know, but I just would have thought that it had been more than the mid-level exception. <laughs> we already given them two hours. Look, you guys keep your thinking caps on. Do not ever stop learning. But congratulations to everybody. Love to everyone. I'm out. Congratulations. What? <laughs> Bye. Bye guys. Bad See y'all later. Bye. <laughs>